What I really want to talk to you about, though, is none other than Prince Humperdinck. Every time this guest star shows up on the screen for this episode, I just think Humperdinck, Humperdinck, Humperdinck. (laughs) Obviously, we know that The Princess Bride was a huge impact on this show, not just with, like, Carrie was playing the the international art thief who's not really an art thief and the way he reoccurs throughout the seasons but um our big guest star in this episode whose uh, real name in the episode is something bonovich and i just keep calling him bonnie or maybe bonnie boom boom bonaventure um, he's some bonaventure there to tech guy i guess is it ashton bonaventure yes yes it is because it's such okay. a ridiculous name but he he's played is by played Chris by Sarandon. the same character. Yes. And as I was staring at him, I got like halfway through the episode before I realized that he was Humperdinck. And I was super disappointed in myself. The second he showed up, I was like, oh, I forgot Humperdinck was in this. <laughs> Humperdinck, Humperdinck, Humperdinck. Okay, yeah. But um, if you hear us calling him that, that's just because we're big fans of The Princess Bride. And... Um, if he or Carrie Ellis would like to be on our podcast, we would appreciate it. Don't make me laugh. We'd be that super happy so to much. talk to you guys. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, they definitely want to talk to us. Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, but I think we should start the show. It's showtime. This is To the Blueberry! I am Alexis and I'm a real life Gus. I'm Kaylee and I'm a real life Sean. And together we make up a real life best friend duo who needed a good reason to chat with one another once a week. So we started a Psych Rewatch podcast. It's awesome. It's awesome. Um, This week... Although we don't really record once a week because uh i messed up our recording two weeks in a row (laughs) was it two weeks yeah because i had just i completely forgotten to watch the episode and then and um, then things come up uh, yeah important things yeah some stuff with my friend came up and then you were getting ready for your for your teeth and everything and it was just like well guess we're not recording for a few weeks and uh, i was ready to blame the curse on this episode but uh luckily we got together today so it worked out yeah, this episode doesn't deserve to be cursed somehow. Like, no, not like the other ones that were actually cursed. Yeah, um, but also this is... I'm trying to figure out how, but um, my mic is 100% picking up the sound of you talking through my headphones. We realized that on one of the first, or I guess the second cursed episode, mm. but it happened again. On the last one I was editing and I was just like, how is that even possible? Yeah, I noticed it on the last couple that I edited too. So, so I'm trying to lean fun. back from my mic and see if we can uh, stop that from happening. Uh, but yes, 1989. Um, but the episode is episode 14 of Psych Season 4, Think Tank. That is maybe a pop culture a reference? Very short title for our guys. Yeah, not very quippy. Yeah, but we do start, as we so often do, in 1989 with Sean doing a book report. Now, the interwebs tell us that um, Sean has a pineapple eraser on our pencil. But Kaylee and I... Yeah, we agree on that. If it is a pineapple, it's upside down, which makes little baby Sean a swinger. Um, And I just can't come to terms with that. Uh, Kay, you said you thought it looked like a squirrel? I thought it looked like an animal, like some kind of a hedgehog or something on his pencil. I I didn't look for a second and think, that's a pineapple. Yeah. No, I I did look at it and I was like, man, like it'd have to be upside down if that was it. And I was just very angry about it and said no. No, no, no. Um, So we're not going to call that a pineapple hunt. But Sean is doing a book report. It is uh, 9, 10 a.m. on what I'm assuming was a Saturday. And Henry's like, how are you already writing your book report? It's been 30 minutes. And we find out the book is Charlotte's Web. And Sean read the summary and the first chapter. And he thinks he's good to go. He knows exactly what's going to happen in this book. It's child's play. Are you kidding? Yeah. Henry taught him how to draw conclusions. 
How would he, who would he not? Henry says that he is operating on incomplete info and one day you're going to be embarrassed when you act like this. But he asked Sean if Sean knew how the book ended. Obviously, Wilbur wins first prize, and he's going to live happily ever after with Charlotte. The end. Henry says, you know what? If you get an A on your book report, I'm taking you to Disneyland. I just wrote, baby Sean should know better. That should be a huge (laughs) red flag. He's a stupid, stupid child. Yeah. The way that Henry tests, tests him, like, I feel like he should realize that there's something up. Oh, for sure. But Henry actually plays a very pivotal role in this episode. Um, Not in a way that you might be thinking, but right here at the beginning in present day, Sean is at a pizza shop. And um, he is on this big rant about this guy who had poisoned somebody. Um, I don't remember why, but I wrote, this is giving me anxiety. (laughs) He was was being very... um, Oh, the way he was messing with that dough. Okay, yeah. listen. He was being very, Two very... Two of my uh, very uh, first uh, jobs ever were making pizza. Okay? I came home every night smelling terribly of, like, sausage and pepperoni. But I liked making pizza. I was good at making pizza. And <laughs> that dough caressing and crumpling was, was just setting my teeth on edge. Back when I had teeth, you know, a couple weeks ago. Before they were pulled out. There's a weird guy with Chief Vic, and um, Sean does bring up a pineapple. And he's like, why do you not have a pizza with a pineapple? Yeah, because he's asking the guy, what toppings do you want before you go to prison for murder? Henry pulls up, doesn't pull up, but comes right up to Sean. He's like, dude, you've got this wrong. Did you actually even read the case file? I read the summary and part of the first... You know what? I don't have time for for these questions or the case file. Much like me, Henry points out that the guy that he is accusing cannot handle nuts. And what the person died with had peanut oil all over it. Yeah, this guy would be, one, showing signs of anaphylaxis, or two, like, had to have gloved up and been very obvious when handling the poison. Um, Also, I wrote that Henry is wearing a very Hawaiian shirt. It is. It's it's quite nice. He says to Sean, what did I tell you? And that, in my mind, was a reference to that flashback from 1989. 1,000%. <laughs> like, Henry remembers that conversation, and that's what he's talking about. Sean's lie to cover up this interruption by his dad is that he owes his dad $5, and fine, fine, if it can't wait... Absolutely take this money from my hand. Sean looks around and he asks basically the only other guy in the room why he's acting all innocent while Sean is uh, blaming this other person for the crime. How could you just stand there while I accuse this innocent man? What, what, what is wrong with you? And we get like the most insta confession ever after a slight pause and everyone's like, Ah, oh, yeah, that was obviously the plan. He did not want the pizza shop to be sold to some chain. He didn't want to sell out. And we get a... After Jules... 25 years of a family restaurant, and the guy who was first being accused was like, Dude, I'm your nephew. We get a... Uh, Jules Cuffin. Lassie, stop topping... Or, er, Lassie, finish topping that pizza. From Sean. Outside, Gus is pulling up with a blueberry. And he's like, wait, what I miss? Basically, he missed that Henry was the one who got it right from the beginning. I don't know what I wrote here. I wrote making loud remarks and fatherly duties. I wrote stripes and checks. Sean's wearing the stripes. Gus is wearing the checks. Helloed again, always, constantly. Oh, helped again, always, constantly. Oh, Henry was saying, "Um, you've got my help again. I'm constantly helping you. And then there was a whole lot of, when was the last time you helped me? And a lot of back and forth. And basically, this guy comes up to them and stops the conversation. And he introduces himself as Walter Snowden. After Henry excuses himself, 
Um, and Sean calls all the other times he's helped him fatherly duties. That's it. Um, the suit man, Walter Snowden, is impressed and knows too much. He knows so many of Gus's aliases, including Gee Buttersnaps, which Gus points out was said on a secure, on a secure military base. base. Yeah. <laughs> he's been following them for a while. Um, and he was very impressed in there by how he gave the bad guy a false sense of security. Yeah. And he's got a job offer for both of them. Sean said, I am amazing. And leave it at that. Um, he works for a very important man and a very famous security firm. And Sean's like, mm, sounds kind of dry. But he offers them $8,500 a day. For two weeks. And uh, that's a lot of money. He tells Sean to do the math, and G- Sean says, Gus, do the math. And Gus says, that's a lot of money. <laughs> they are going to take part in a think tank brought together um, with a whole bunch of other experts for Ashton Bonaventure, otherwise known as Prince Humperdinck, otherwise known as Bonnie, otherwise known as Bonnie Boom Boom. So he's a millionaire, and Sean loves his mane. And he keeps wanting to pitch him new product ideas, like the electric sponge. You guys, I... Which, in and of itself, is a terrible idea. I just, I want to put it out there. Don't, don't, Sean. His other idea, I support. But the the electric sponge is a terrible idea. So, I just keep referring to Walter Snowden as Suit Man. Like, Hmm. he's just in my notes as Suit Man. So, he says... Um, this isn't for his business. And Gus is like, cool, then what's it for? And Suitman says, this is for preventing his assassination. <laughs> we get a very short credit again. That's our that's our quick credit, yep. Um, basically, we're, we're in the, the think tank that we referred to in the title. And we find out that Bonnie Boom Boom is being threatened that he will be dead by the end of his speech in Santa Barbara. Yeah, the preciseness of this threat is what's so alarming. Um, Do we have questions? Sean says, what about our hot air balloon? Or when will we be in the hot air balloon? Basically, there will be no hot air balloon, there will be no jet ski, and there will be no outgoing message on his answering machine. But Suitman assures him that they have addressed all the items on his contract rider. Including the trampoline, the big league chew, and the less blasted air horn. I wrote, not that funny. Um, they enter, there's a bowl of Skittles, just like they requested, and they meet the other members. I had a hard time tracking their names, um, so you can, you can help me, but the first guy we meet is Fred Collins Boyd, who is a ex-Secret Service member. I just call him Secret Service for the rest of the episode. I call him Boyd, but he was, he's retired from the Secret Service, and he was Secret Service under Reagan, who was famously attempted to be assassinated. I'm sorry, <laughs> I can't, I can't talk today. Um, I wrote a, I wrote on. Dave reference. I don't know what that means. Oh, so the movie Dave with Kevin Klein, Kevin Klein is a lookalike for the current president, President Mitchell. And Sean says, Reagan, he was the president after Mitchell. Um, The other person we meet right here is Svetlana Progoyevich, who was an independent contractor, famously having previously worked with the KGB. And not in a preventative capacity. Sean's like, I call her the spy. Yeah. Gus says that she was a hitman. Yes, definitely. Um, Sean's like, so I shouldn't, and Gus is like, yeah, don't. (laughs) Finally, we get Alan Zenick, who is a crime statistician. From MIT. I'm sorry, is that even a brag anymore? Like, so many people go to MIT. (laughs) Yeah. Like, my cousin's at MIT right now. I'm like, eh, well. Um, this is where we get the Winnie from the Wonder Years reference. So, Sean basically says, uh, Winnie from the Wonder Years is doing that same exact job right now and wouldn't it have been so much cooler if you'd gotten her 
we get introduced to Sean and Gus to the rest of the people and then we get a we say video chat but I think it's pretty obvious immediately that this is like a recording of a man who happens to be Prince Humperdinck yeah yeah it's it's sketchy it's jumping it's pretty pretty fuzzy um but basically such a high-tech place the, the satellite footage is bad it's a, uh, he's a tech innov- innovator who has a soda fountain in his bedroom. Something about Tetron Tech buyout in 98, but thousands of people lost their jobs, so it's not all cream and peaches for this guy's legacy. There have been three attempts uh, of murder on his life previously, and essentially they're using the think tank to figure out the blind spots in his security. Um, Suitman says, any questions? And Sean says, I have a question for the statistician formerly known as Kenneth Brenner. <laughs> because he looks like a British blonde man. Um, how Based many on the number of skills and... in that bowl, what's the probability that Gus will choose green? Gus is like, never mind. Why is Bonaventure in Santa Barbara? And Suitman says, it's the annual board of trustees address... No, board of directors address and the new product rollout that they've been preparing. In the fuzzy video, basically, Sean kind of breaks in and asks about a comb pillow, a comb that works while you sleep. Bonovich isn't responding to Sean and uh, Snowden's like, hey, dude, you got to press the button to talk to him. And then the video cuts out real fast. Yeah, the satellite upload video, bad signal, blah, blah, blah. I mean, is it really a spoiler that it was fake? Because I felt like it felt fake. (laughs) Yeah. What's a schematic? Man, my notes are a hot mess right now. Okay, so they're looking at a schematic of, like, the hotel where he's going to be for his speech. And they're plotting and planning, like, how someone, namely them, would go about trying to attack him based on this layout and stuff so they're looking mainly at the kitchen in the building and then gus noticing that they're not really contributing tells sean that they have to talk i think i've just been so messed up because i wrote schematic instead of schematic um sean makes an animal out of out of big league out of his big league chew and then he has a vision oh and this is where he's like Oh, oh, Mr. Snowden, you um, have a dead wife, don't you? He didn't really say that. But he's wearing, like, a, an old ring. And I was like, how does he not know that this guy's just not married? Because he's actually psychic. And then I was like, wait, was it on his right hand? Does that even mean anything? It was on his right hand. Yeah, but that doesn't... And, like, I even Googled that because I was like, is that how he knew? And that's, like, that doesn't tell you someone's a widower. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything, like... If someone is orthodox in their religion, they might wear it on a different hand. Or if they're from a different country, they might wear it on a different hand. So it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. Well, he's right. The guy, the guy's wife does happen to be dead. And then um, the spy lady just got a new home. And um, the Secret Service dude is like, why does any of this matter? And Sean calls it psychicness reflex. Want me to look at your watch? I can tell you what time you're going to die. There's a reference to Siege um, and Seagal using spatulas to deflect bullets. And then In there's the some kitchen. conversation yeah. about explosives. And, and then uh, Boyd says, I know of a tiny plastique that they put in cell phones. Svetlana kind of derides that idea and is like, it is crude and inaccurate and unpredictable and difficult. And Boyd is like, okay, cool. So how would you kill him? She prefers to use skin contact. You sneeze and Poisons. then... Oh, yes. Poison by skin contact. You sneeze and then it's how you say, good night, Charlie. Um, also, they all agree that any kind of uniform will let you get close enough because statistically speaking... Uh, it helps you know, fool the people around you. You're just a piece of, like, the scenery at that point. And the spy lady also suggests looking extra feminine. Specifically, she likes to carry a baby. A plastic one. Because I was born without maternal instinct. My my Svetlana accent is nowhere near as good as yours. 
<laughs> I like yours. Um, Suitman says we're looking at gaps. Any gaps? Boyd. I forget what he says, but then they all agree to take a ten minute break. Um, Suitman needs to get on a conference call with Bonaventure. As Sean is walking away with Gus, he goes, "Keep your eyes off my giraffe, Boyd." And that would be the giraffe he made out of the big lead shoe. I just find that very funny. Gus takes Sean into the hallway and they walk past a room. Suitman with a headset on is on a quote-unquote phone call with Bonaventure. It's the same video we saw earlier. It's obvious that it is. Sean, what is wrong with your spidey senses here? Gus is like, we are not going to find the trampoline. I want to cut my losses and go home. Being in that room, um, Sean feels like being in that room is making it hard for him because he can't see things. He can't touch things. Gus says, these are the people who could figure out you aren't exactly what you say you are. Come on, son. And I wrote no because psychic. (laughs) Gus says, okay, if we stay, you have to call your dad. Sean, I love this part where he says he's, he may not be a planner or a detail man. Or a taxpayer. But he blows minds. Let's go blow their minds scanner style. <laughs> Which was a 1981 film. Scanners. Terrible, Don't know it? Terrible movie. Okay. In the room, um, they're pointing out that they specifically picked this space for the, for the announcement. Because there are only lower buildings around this building. That way there won't be uh, any opportunity for anyone to shoot him from above. I don't know if that sounds foolproof. But um, (laughs) if they surround him with six bodyguards, there's no chance of attack. So what are we missing? Sean's like, here comes the wow. (laughs) What if there won't be any shot from above? Because it'll be coming from beneath. They all kind of laugh. And Mr. Allen, the statistician, is like, doing some little math and there's a whole what are you doing over there and he said oh i'm figuring out the odds of mr spencer being fired Suitman says that might be enough for today um let's start tomorrow at eight sharp at the santa barbara police department they ask lassiter for help because sean doesn't want to ask henry but chief vic is like so uh how exactly does that work you know with your father i saw him at the pizza place Sean says, oh, he's totally making up for the lack of support when I was a kid. He missed a lot of my games, so now he's just showing up for me. Chief Vic's face is a beautiful face of non-belief. Oh, full suspicion. And uh, they ask Lassie if he's ever thought of how he might die. Oh, specifically how Bonovich might die, not how Lassiter might die. And don't just... Tell me all about the Tom Cruise movie, Valkyrie. Lassie is obviously very jealous and just straight up refuses to help them. He has been he's dealing been with this on security. His... Yeah, he's been wanting to get on this security detail forever. He even wrote a letter to Gerald Ford when he was a child telling him how much he loved him and would do anything to protect him. You know what? He's calling Bill McGoldwick, who is the head of security for Bonaventure Solutions. Um, we've been dealing with Walter Snowden of Snowden Security. Who's that? Because Lassiter has never heard of him. So then they see an actual video of Bonaventure on the TV, and his hair length is somehow... Much longer than it was in the video they saw him on, because it was at, a video, like a recorded at, one, an old one. At which point it all comes together with Sean going, crap. They race to the think tank place, and it's a fake dumb thumbprint thing that they went through on the th- on the door, so the door just opens. The room is empty, everything's gone, there's wires hanging from the ceiling, and there's, but the Skittles are still there. And Gus is like, the video, and Sean's like, it was fake. Snowden is the one who has attempted assassinating Bonaventure before, but he couldn't crack the security, so he did the think tank to get ideas about how to succeed. 
The other people were legit people. Lassiter very, very smugly goes, So let me get this straight. You joined this organization, didn't bother to check if they were legit, and then you gave him a bunch of ideas about how to kill one of your idols. In his defense, says Gus, all of his, all of his ideas stank. Stunk? Stank. Stinked it. Lassiter's like, that tracks. And Sean says there's no time just because you're right. Oh, no time to gloat, Lassie, just because you're right for the first time in your life. The important thing is, I need evidence bag. I need evidence bags for the rest of these skittles. Luckily, we still have four days. What's in four days? Says Lassiter. Sean thinks that Bonnie Boom Boom is arriving in four days, but Lassiter knows better. He's here now. His plane touched down four hours ago. Hopefully alive. That was Gus. So we go to the hotel. Sean is telling Bonaventure that he's in danger and that Sean is a psychic. And And about the pillow comb. (laughs) About the pillow comb. Jules says you need to cancel your speech. Bonnie refuses to cancel. He needs to make this announcement and he needs to launch tonight. Or uh, his competitors are going to get the edge on him. Bonnie's like, I have have all these people helping me. I am going to be safe. And then Gus does this really nice thing where he stands up for Sean and said, this guy who has solved over 50 unsolvable cases is your best bet. 50 unsolvable cases. Sean's like, yeah, be impressed. I have spent the last 12 hours with your would-be assassin. And Humperdinck goes, all right, psychic, here's your shot. I need you to take me to my car and not get me killed. And so Sean leads the way. And we walk through the hotel doing exactly what all of the people at the think tank said they would do. Like, literally everything lines up. There's a person with a cell phone, so Sean slaps it. He makes everybody get their phones out. And then there's a maid, and so all the bodyguards attack her. And then there's a lady with a baby, and then they guard her to make sure it's a real baby. There's a dude watering a plant. Um, Who ends up calling this has all been the a orchid big man? Waste. The orchid man. Oh, but we did miss um, a, a axe body spray reference earlier. I don't know why we're all of a sudden getting axe body spray references, but he steals. Acts for men from the uh, maid's cart and then goes, what? Um, Bonnie's like, this was a huge mistake. You're no good. And then Sean sees a gun coming from nowhere nowhere else besides beneath him out of a sewage grate. Uh, He yells danger and tackles Bonaventure and the shots miss him. And then Sean says, your hair looks great. (laughs) At the Sarna Barber Police Department, Chief Vic is very, very upset that Sean and Gus has helped plan this person's assassination. Juliet brings in all of the other think tank people, and in comes Bonnie. They're talking about Snowden, and um, Bonnie recognizes him from a wrongful death lawsuit in one of his factories. Yeah, because they have a sketch that the other think tankers helped compile. Something about someone dying at a factory. Sean psychs out um, to when he noticed the ring on, on Suitman, and it was his wife who died. The ring was on the right hand. The case apparently got settled, um, meaning they, they were paid off. And Chief apologizes again? Yeah, I'm so sorry this happened. This is going to be dealt with in the future. She's trying to make Bonnie feel safe with them since, you know, their leading corresponding psychic uh, tried to kill him. But Bonovich is actually very happy about the work that Sean has done. Although the people at the think tank are not because all he did was told them the plot to Die Hard 3. And you act like that's not impressive? Their checks never cleared. Uh, There was no actual money. But Sean did get that dope NBA air horn out of the deal, and he blows it in everyone's faces. There's something about Boyd getting 9500 when everybody else was offered 8500 He's like, it might have been 8500 It wasn't really about the money, though, was it? None of us even got paid. When we get to the end, remind me about this. 
Because okay. something just clicked extensively for me. Oh my goodness. Okay. Not for um, me. I'm so confused. It's okay. Airhorn. Lassie says he's running point. Bonaventure says, actually, Mr. Spencer's going to work with my team. Sean is ready to run point, but he basically doesn't know what to do. And then he said, what we're going to do, when he kind of like kills time for a moment, is re reassemble the think tank. Assemble. Sean is very um, excited about being in charge of the think tank. Um, and he tells them that time does not exist in this room. Watch is off. Quickly followed by Bonnie Boom Boom will take the stage at exactly 7.20, which gives us... Well, Heather watches on, so who knows? Everybody watches on. <laughs> Something about Big Bear? <laughs> uh, there's like a whole bunch of fading conversation, and um, Sean goes, question Big Bear? And the Secret Service guy is like, don't call me that. Um, you guys are wasting way too much of your security back here in the back where the wall is already there to protect him. You need to move your cops out to the front to make them more useful. I think Sean says, okay, we've got a plan. I'll pass this on to Chief. And then it's the day of the speech. There's walk like... And talk. It's Sean and Jules and Lassie, right? Uh, yeah. Angry is... Uh, angry. Lassie is angry that he has to guard a door. And Sean is like, are you kidding me? You're Kevin Costner in this plan. You're guarding the entire audience, which is a... A bodyguard reference. But I should be with Bonaventure. <laughs> but uh, Bonnie doesn't want him anywhere near him. In fact, he called him Lazenby. Instead of Lassiter. Lazenby. Lazenby. Instead of Lassiter. Lazen Lazenby is the name of the guy who only played James Bond one time. And he was the youngest person to have played him. Oh. And he doesn't not look like Lassiter. <laughs> Sean is like, we're going to be fine, mostly because I have a surprise that I am adding right now. Basically, Sean thinks that Snowden might have a mole in the think tank or the SBPD. and He's going to delay the speech by five minutes and go on oh, first. They're going on the offensive. So Sean, Sean is going to go ahead. find the attacker while they're in the ballroom. So that they can do the thing quickly and for real? <laughs> There's like a hand ahead earlier that uh, Bonovich does not respond very well to. And then Sean does like more hand ahead stuff, but he kind of makes this sound this time. And he said, I'm going to go up there and stall so that we can suss out the bad guy. Uh, Bonnie is super against this. Sean puts his hand to his head again. There are more sound effects. And Gus said, hand to the head is not working. Sean also says, I can guarantee the ending. Have I been wrong yet? Gus starts listing off all of the ways that he has been wrong. And Sean's all like, why would you say that? I don't know. Symmetry? Um, I don't have anything more for this, ep for this scene. I just have the next scene when there's a podium and Sean goes up to it. Sean's on the stage, and the first thing he says is, raise your hand if you vacuum topless to Carly Simon." I'm kidding. Yeah, he talks nonsense. Everyone's appalled. He's the opening act. They finally applaud a little bit. And then he says greed is good and does some more Wall Street nonsense. There's a line about greed for flan. Bonnie is kind of freaking out of what... Gus is, or what Sean is doing up on the stage. Gus has no idea what's going on. Neither does Lassiter. There's something about stock splits. If the stocks don't split, you must acquit. Um, Sean is getting Everyone's warm. getting mad. Yes. Yeah, everyone's getting mad. Sean's getting sweaty. And then he notices that everyone else is also sweaty. There's no air blowing. There's something with the air vents. <laughs> the last the last line that uh she or that that john makes while he's still on the stage is we are the most technologically advanced company in all of california and yet i walked onto this stage when we all know i should have flown via jetpack who's with me somehow sends a message to jules she says give us time they do the vent checks more nonsense 
Back to the Future 2 reference, hoverboards. And then Juliet and Lassiter find him. And Suitman was in the vent. And Bonaventure is panicking. He's like, okay, great. Get me out there now. He's ruining everything. <laughs> because um, John is actually talking about the treadmill from the opening credits of the Jetsons at this point. Gus is on the walkie and goes, Bonnie Boom Boom is on the move. Lassiter and Juliet are walking Snowden towards Sean, and Sean goes, you messed up when you picked the psychic. Didn't you know I would peg you? That's a thing, right? Pegging. Sean is still quite salty about the trampoline. Um, Snowden thought that Sean was just an idiot. We Lassiter says, we've all been there. Juliet... <laughs> earpiece what did you hear us if you did hear us oh because he was wearing an earpiece yeah and he was like if he would have uh heard if he would have been listening to us he would have known that we were on to him in the air vents no he has a partner he was talking to somebody and then he remembers sean remembers the spy saying that whenever that he she wanted to distract the security team she always had them look the other way and then he's like, hey, where did you find Snowden? Well, they found him at the back wall. And whose suggestion was that to move men off the back wall? So Sean knows it was Boyd. And Lassiter says he's got people covering him upstairs. He's not alone because he didn't trust him. Um, Sean, Sean interrupts runs the speech to the stage. again. Yeah. He's like, we need to get out of here. There's another killer, and they head off the stage. And then Sean kind of remembers the map of the place and takes him on a, a very diverted route to, to get him out of here safely. Yeah, he's trying to get him to the car while Lassie and Jules look for Boyd. Um, they jump into the car, and then Sean is like, go, go, go. But turns out that Boyd is in the driver's seat, and he probably killed that driver. He has a gun. And he said, you don't remember me from the trial, do you? Because it was his sister. The payout was $1.2 million. And how do you put a price like that on someone's life? They took the money and they used it to finance his own murder. Sean is like, oh, you're so smart. And Boyd is like, you're an idiot. You have the dumbest ideas, only dumb ideas. Sean's really trying to talk him out of, like, killing them. And in the discussion, um, Sean grabs the little tiny air horn and um, is talking about how they should all try jump therapy on the trampoline. And then blows the air horn in his face. And so he and Bonaventure jump out of the car. Lassie and Jules finally make it to the garage. And then Gus says... Oh, here are the plans to the pillow comb. <laughs> but Bonaventure pretends to be too deaf to understand, and they just let it go. Oh. <laughs> Gus's face, when he holds up the the uh, plans for the comb p pillow, are just like, I cannot believe that this guy is my partner. Okay, Here's, here it is. This is what I realized literally as we were recording. The reason that Boyd said $9,500 when everyone else said $8,500 was because he didn't actually get paid. He was just trying to remember how much they offered these guys to be on the think tank. And he got the number wrong. I see. I didn't, I didn't make that connection. Not, never, not once. I, 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 I could be wrong, but that, there's no other reason for that quip to be in there besides it being part of the evidence. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a good actual explanation for it when he was like, I didn't take this job for the money. Right. Well, sure you did. It was just for a very different reason. Um, Don't worry, we have two more, two more scenes. At the Santa Barbara Police Department, Henry is in Chief Vic's office. And um, Chief Vic asked him the same question he asked Sean earlier, which was, why he keeps showing up in Sean's cases. Tellingly, he uses the exact same excuse that Sean used, that he was never at Sean's games as a kid, and so he's trying to be there to support him now. And he admits that he does get involved sometimes. And uh, 
Chief Vic kind of realizes that he retired young and still likes the work and says, do you want a job? What happened with Bonaventure is a mess and she needs someone to wrangle Sean as well as all of the other consultants, a liaison, if you will, that would oversee our external divisions. It wouldn't be full time. We could talk about your schedule later. But, you know, external divisions like different departments, different agencies, any outside help, the consultants would fall under this umbrella. Henry kind of does think about it. Yeah. Chief Vic realizes that working with Sean, um, she, she actually said the benefits far outweigh the cost. But your son has turned this department on our head over the last four years. Henry says, I think I'm going to stay retired. But thank you. You sure? And Henry doesn't respond. No, he just kind of leaves. At the psych office. (laughs) Sean is on the phone with the credit card company asking if they will remove the zebra-striped jacket that was charged to his account. Although he did, in fact, charge it and the check just didn't clear. Yeah, Sean is like, well, it's not my fault the bogus check was on hold. Sean said, or I'm sorry, Gus responds, there's a lesson to be learned here, Sean. Don't spend your think tank money before you know whether the think tank is run by a vindictive murderer or not. I'm so glad you had that right now. Sean's like, it's okay. I think we're going to get more corporate consulting gigs because that's where we'll build our nest egg. And by our nest egg, you mean exactly a giant trampoline for the office. At this point, the phone rings. Dude, we have two lines. Gus answers the other one, and he goes, Wait, why why are you calling from the Bulgarian consulate? Dude, that's for me. Here, trade. And he trades the phone line with Sean, or with Gus, and said it's another consulting gig. And, uh, (laughs) Sean... We just said that he's getting a call from the... Bulgarian consulate, but he answers the, the, the phone in Spanish. He, he's speaking in Spanish, and from my um, high school Spanish uh, years, I believe he said, Hi, how are you? My name is Shanito Rodriguez. I like Bulgaria and giant trampolines. Gus just rolls his eyes. Kaylee's face right now. I still don't understand why he's speaking Spanish to the Bulgarian consulate. What what language should he be speaking? Bulgaria is like in Eastern Europe, so definitely not Spanish. For some reason, I thought it was Portuguese. And I was like, okay, that kind of tracks in the sense that Portuguese and Spanish are, are very, very uh, close languages. Romanian, okay, Hungarian... Greek, Croatian, French. (laughs) Bulgarian is the official language. (laughs) Russian, Turkish, and the Romani language are are also... I don't... I'm very confused. (laughs) Maybe that was the point. This is fun because this was before James Rude Rodriguez was going by his given name of Rodriguez at all. So he threw it into this scene for mm-hmm. like no no reason other than to be fun. Yep. I liked it. I liked it a lot. My very last note here is just solid ending. That was a solid ending. I don't think it was kind of one of those episodes that like didn't do a ton to move the plot along except for like the Henry Chief bit a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was the whole, I think the whole point of it was, one, to have Prince Humperdinck in the episode, and two, to create that opportunity for Henry, which will come back into play, is it next episode, or are we two, Are we still two episodes out from the, from the finale? Not next episode, next is like the penultimate, and then, like, because we'll do 15, and then 16 is the last one okay. of the season again. 16th, the last episode, right? And that's when it really comes back into play. That that moment that we just watched where Henry didn't say that he was sure he didn't want to deal with it. Um, 
this is a good episode. I don't think Kaylee and I did it the best justice today, mostly because we both watched it two weeks ago and then um, we didn't watch it again (laughs) before we recorded. There are a lot of little funny asides and things during the episode. It is a very fun, a fun one to watch. Yeah, it's one of those episodes that moves really, really quickly. And I think if we had both written down like every quote we would want to write down, this recording would have been much longer. But it's quick, it's fast paced, it's funny. Um, There's a lot of good references to a lot of weird things. And I just love the, the, the continual Princess Bride reference that we have going on here. Um, just brings me a lot of joy, mostly because I absolutely love that movie. Probably, probably I've said it before, I'll say it again. Probably my favorite movie of all time. Valid. Very valid. Solid pick. I don't remember what the next episode is actually about. Oh! Yeah, it's a big one. It's a, oh, I'm it's so a big excited one. for the next one! Yeah. That's a good one. I prefer it to episode 16, if I'm being honest. I think a lot of, except for the cursed one, I think a lot of the penultimate episodes, because they are more of our usual episode, but they do tend to be pretty intense, mm-hmm. episode 15, and then 16 tend to be sort of a different tone, a different uh, arc, if you will. Yeah. I also really enjoy that you keep using the phrase penultimate, because the first time I heard that phrase, that I can remember, because I probably heard it once before, but that I can remember was actually when I was talking to Data Dave on my other podcast. And we were preparing for something and he was referring to something as the penultimate. And I was like, what does that even mean? And I had to look it up. I love that. You're getting it from both sides. Yeah. Yeah, I'm learning a lot, actually. Um, Not standards. Oh, shoot. Stanchions. I learned about stanchions. (laughs) I will never forget about those. Season one, we learned a lot. Today I was talking to Dave about um, writing a white paper because apparently I write for the company now. You should see Kaylee's face. And Kaylee's face makes a ton of sense because I'm a terrible writer. But um, She's not. I guess. She's really not a terrible writer. I mean, and you write like you, you, write like you talk. And when you're talking to yes. someone in a very serious workplace manner... You do so very, very well. You're a very professional person. <laughs> I just, that's a very new development. Yeah, yeah. But um, Dave also is not a good writer. And so Dave was like, here, Alexis, how about I talk at you for a little while? And you take some notes and then try to write a, a white paper out of it. And I was like, dude, I, I, okay, sure, I'll try. And so... Dave and I were talking today, and that's exactly what we did. He talked at me, and I started learning things, and I started writing things down. And then um, I was like, oh, you're talking about critical data elements. And Dave was just like, huh, you learned that from our podcast, didn't you, Alexis? And I was like, yes, I did. Look at me. I'm learning stuff. What is a white paper? Um, A white paper is like a... Um, educational, sometimes opinion piece that a corporate organization will put out to kind of lay their, um, lay their standards for a certain topic. And so the white paper that, um, I'm pretending to write right now, because I'm probably going to have AI write a lot of it is about, um, is actually about AI and how you can use it in the corporate in the corporate field, especially when it comes to data engineering, data science, and data analytics. And so it's it's going to be our opinion. And when I say our opinion, I mean Dave's opinion on, um, on how to use AI for those three main topics, specifically in the Amazon Web Services realm. But if you're interested in learning about critical data elements, not that it matters, but it uh, that episode drops next week, so that's exciting. Although by the time this episode goes live, that episode will have been live for many, many weeks because <laughs> Kaylee and I are very far behind. We're not that far behind now. <laughs> no, I think we're doing pretty good, actually. 
I'm sorry, I took us on a super weird tangent there about white papers and critical data elements. Um, but that's a huge part of my life right now. And Kay, I, I really want to thank you because had you and I not started um, to the Blueberry, I don't know that I ever would have had the confidence to pitch Talk Tech with my company. And now Talk Tech is a huge part of our, like it's a huge part of my job and it's a huge part of our organizational um, organization's marketing strategy. And so like we're making waves with Talk Tech that we have never been able to make before. And that's amazing. Yeah, it was all because you you started that podcast with your dad, like how many, where you guys tried to watch movies together, and then we started this podcast because we wanted a good reason to talk to one another, and I literally used everything you taught me to pitch this podcast at work and to make something kind of cool out of it. Aw, oh, that's great. I yeah. Honestly, I think podcasting can bring people together. Oh, I believe it. it. I mean, it's brought Dave and I together. I mean, I mean, you and I have gone through this this season of our lives where we're so far apart, but you know, nothing really changes. We're just still like we're just still great friends. Um, but like with Dave, I never had opportunities to interact with him before now. And now he's like, "Here, Alexis, you can be my ghostwriter." Get it, girl. So, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that one's called Talk Tech with Data Dave. If any of our like four listeners wanna listen to another educational podcast, that one's a fun one. That's my shameless plug. Um, Kaylee, you did a fabulous job considering how much you were holding your face. So thank you. Thank you for recording today. And um, I am Alexis. No one will call me Mr. Spencer. It's Sean. Shawnee, if you're feeling a little loose. Never the Sean dog, because that's just lame, and I've never been one to chase balls. And I'm Kaylee. Me gusta Bulgaria y trampolina gigante. And this has been... To the Blueberry! Psych out. Psych out I've ever said. It was like so croaky.